And no, just to compound on those uh, announcements real fast, um, being at the brewery last night, it, I did, I was telling Daniel, it filled something in my heart that I felt like had been missing for a little while, uh, the larger body of communal gathering outside of church, um, when a place where it's uh, just connecting with people and having conversations with people, people that we haven't, some of them we haven't seen since before COVID, before uh, when the last time we had brew pubs, so super fun. Um, but I also know that that is a huge stressor for those putting on the brewery and everybody that's putting on work or doing work there and doing all that stuff. And I wanted to take just a short minute to pray for them, to pray for Daniel and Kim and Jesse and T that are still there and Kevin and, and Sherea and everybody that's involved with the, the inner workings, with making it all happen, working there all the time. So if you guys would just pray with me real fast, let's pray for them. God, I thank you so much for what you're doing in our community, how closely we are tied with uh, the brewery that's open, and what you are doing through that brewery. God, I thank you that you have called uh, Daniel and Kim and Jesse and Kevin and, and everybody else that has, has input into that brewery, the board, the founders, and all of us who come to, to gather around how much we desire the community and the fellowship that happens. God, I pray a blessing on the venture. I pray that your hand would be on it, that every conversation that happens in that building would be um, glorifying to you, God, as your church builds outside these walls in the community as, as a brewery is able to give back to other nonprofit organizations and gather together in the work that is happening in the community. God, we praise you. We thank you. We pray for a relief of stress, um, for all the, the adrenaline rush, the, the crash that happens afterward with the opening. I pray that you would um, bring life to the spirits of those that have been working so hard and tirelessly for so long. God, we pray that you would bless them. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Um, one other thing real quick on a, an announcement is this is, if you guys will learn things about me, I'm a dreamer, so I, I like to put things into motion, things that I've been thinking about. And singing in that last song, we talked about um, the rising waters I mean, you know, the, and we're talking about the flood of mercy, and I was thinking about all the water that we've been getting lately, um, and the floods that we've been seeing in Santa Cruz, uh, the levees that are breaking up near my parents' house, um, and this is just one, like, natural thing that happens all the time where oftentimes we're caught off guard, and we don't know what to do about it, um, and it made me think about our last uh, Paradise relief trip that we did up to help with the fire that happened in Paradise, and um, I thought it would be cool, and, and I just wanted, this is kind of just an interest thing. If you guys are interested in putting together an emergency response team that would be prepared for events like this um, in our own community or in an area where we can go and help relieve uh, some of the, the disaster that happens through natural events, um, come and talk to me. I'm just curious to see if, any, if that's heavy on anybody else's heart. Um, I know my mother-in-law went to New Orleans when they had the big flood or the hurricane down there. Um, we can work with Red Cross or we can put together our own thing, have blankets ready or something like that. So if you're interested in that, let me know. I think that'd be cool to have something like that prepared. Um, that, uh, we have a team of people that maybe we meet once every three months or so and just be ready for something like that. So come talk to me. All right, we'll move on here. We are in the second week of our series, Masterpiece. Sorry, let's start here. Talks from the book of Ephesians. Um, if you're on our email list, I sent out an email. I'm hoping you guys are reading through this book before I preach it. So that's not just my words. 
uh, but you guys have read the scripture, that you have read what Paul has written, that God has placed on Paul's heart to be written, and so that when I'm talking about it, you guys already have a sense of what's going on here, right? Um, I also encourage you to start a Bible reading plan. Uh, I sent out the app that I use. It's called the Read Scripture app. Um, I'm excited. Taryn told me this morning that her New Year's resolution is to read through the entire Bible this year. I was like, wow, you're an inspiration, girl. That's, that's cool. Um, I do, if you have not read through the Bible, uh, I, I pray and hope that that becomes a desire of yours to read through God's Word for us. Um, I introduced this book last week talking about how God is our master. He is our master. And as a master, we submit to the master, to the king. Um, he, he is the one that we bow down to. He is the one that is in control of all things, and we are his subjects. We are his slaves. We are his people. Okay? Uh, moving forward with that concept, the goal that I set in motion for myself last, year, or last week that I proclaim to all of you, so I, I'm hoping that you guys can keep me accountable to this as well, is that the goal for this year simply is to know him better. I want to know God better. I hope you guys want to know God better. And this is one way that we can get to know God better through communal teaching, uh, through being together at church and talking with each other that are here. Uh, another way that I encourage you to do is the Bible reading plan, but also to sit in times of prayer, lengthy times of prayer, where you're allowing him to speak to you. Or you're not using all your words towards him, but he is speaking to you. So now this week, we're going to get to um, the second chapter of Ephesians, and I, and I titled this one, uh, Master of the Pieces. He is the master, and he is the master of the pieces. We have pieces and parts in our life um, that are, are broken, that, are, that need to be fit back together, um, and he is the master. So Ephesus, it's really a fascinating city, right? And I got the privilege to go visit back there in 2006, and uh, it really isn't a whole lot different than modern-day America, right? Uh, if we look at the culture of Ephesus, it was obsessed with things that would make them rich, that would make them more powerful, they were entertaining, and they were intelligent, okay? This city was prime real estate. It was a port city in the Mediterranean Sea uh, that had access to cultures all around the world, so it was probably multicultural with, with uh, cultures in pour, or in, uh, pouring into the city, um, bringing their influences. So there's a diverse uh, people group in this city. One thing that they were obsessed with, they had a few different obsessions, obsessions that I'm going to cover, is sports. Niners fans, let's hear it, right? Okay. And Raiders fans too, that's okay. Um, but they were obsessed with sports. You can see it through, this is an archaeological discovery of one of their giant stadiums. It looks very similar to one of our stadiums. And you can just picture people all around the, that stadium, chariot races happening back and forth, right? People battling and all that, all that kinds of fun stuff. Um, when you walk down the road, and I mentioned this last, last week, you can actually see a giant swoosh representing the goddess of Nike right? This is, that's where I believe the concept of Nike came from, stemmed from, was from this ancient city of Ephesus. They wanted to be the strongest and last the longest. They wanted to be the most powerful, the most intriguing, the most entertaining people in the world, and the people were obsessed 
with it. They would probably travel from all around that area to see these, whatever was happening in this, this stadium. The second one, sorry, I went the wrong way. Second one is theater, theatry, right? They, they were actors. They were performers. They had this giant amphitheater that they discovered where, where people could display themselves or they could make public proclamations and, and whatever it was that was happening, people would gather around to watch the theatry or the, the display that someone could put out there. Does that remind us of anything? I, I, it, it, it should. This is, this is our culture 2,000 years ago, right? This is what people would do back then. The second one, or the third one, they were obsessed with celebrities, okay? It's a celebrity culture. The, the way that the story goes in ancient times, the Queen of Sheba came to visit Ephesus, and uh, Ephesus is, is acclaimed for being uh, or having the first red carpet, right? They had these giant roads. They were like made of marble. And what happened was when the queen of Sheba was coming, usually they would throw water on the roads and to make them look glossy and shiny. Well, they didn't have enough water. So what'd they use? They used wine, right? They didn't have enough water, but they had enough wine, okay? And they threw wine, so apparently they really liked their alcohol as well. And they would cover the streets with wine to make it red so that they could usher in the royal queen Sheba, right? We ever roll out the red carpets for royalty? Maybe it's not like actual red, but we clean our houses or we have someone important coming. We're like, hey, we got to clean and make this, you know, if the, if the president's flying in somewhere, we roll out the red carpet or if, you know, we know um, any of our celebrities, I'm not a celebrity person, so I can't think of anybody, but uh, I don't know. Who's a, who's a famous person? Brad Pitt? Okay, all right. We have something to talk about later. Okay. I guess if Brad Pitt's coming, we'll roll out the red carpet. Okay. Celebrities. They were obsessed with celebrities. We, in this room, welcome the King of Kings. So in the same way that they welcomed celebrities, we want to change that here. We want to welcome the King of Kings in this room. Next, the last one, knowledge. Okay. The Ephesians loved knowledge. They were in pursuit of knowledge all the time. The city had this massive library. This building still exists today. It's super cool. It's one of my favorite buildings. Um, each one of those little people down at the bottom represented, uh, I'm forgetting now, uh, intellect, wisdom, knowledge, and one other one. But they, they, they had this massive uh, push to be the smartest, the most intellectual people in the world. So, in, including all of this with what we talked about last week, Ephesus was a culture that was also the epicenter for, for trafficking, for human trafficking, right? We talked about the, the hill that they would deliver their babies that they didn't want or get rid of. So we have, we have this fragmented society that the Ephesians represented in pursuit of sports, theater, celebrities, right? Intellect. They, they, desi- they had... Um, all the passions, all the things of the world, the, the wine, the, the water, the, the women, the children that would be trafficked. Like, this is the hub for the entire Mediterranean Sea for anything that you wanted, anything worldly that you wanted, you would be coming here. Paul, as he's writing this, is imprisoned in Ephesus. 
So if you think about the context in which he's writing this, imagine him sitting in the jail cell, and he could hear out the, out the gates, he could hear out the window, cheers from the stadium, he could hear the people shouting, oh, Queen of Sheba, we praise you. Goddess of Nike, we praise you. You could hear, um, you could hear the trafficking of the children. You could hear the, the celebrating, the, the, the anger, the violence happening because of brawls and, and, and fights because your sports team lost and the Raiders lose. And the, the pinnacle of human um, life worldliness exists in the city. And Paul writes this to call them higher. He calls the church to something more. He says, this is the world around you. I want you to live differently. And he writes this. I'm going to read actually from the Passion Version today. I kind of like the way that it was phrased. So this is Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 1 through 6. And in his fullness, and his fullness fills you. Even though you once were like corpses, dead in your sins and offenses, it wasn't that long ago that you lived in the religion, customs, and values of this world, obeying the dark ruler of the earthly realm who fills the atmosphere with his authority and works diligently in the hearts of those who are disobedient to the truth of God. Maybe you guys remember back to a time before you knew Jesus. Maybe you're living in that time now. But if you can think back to a time before you knew Jesus, this probably describes your life. Before we knew Jesus, we were, it says we were dead. We were like corpses, dead in our sins and our offenses. The things of this world are death. But what Jesus says, what Paul says about Jesus, is that Jesus gives us life. And he continues, he says, The corruption that was in us from birth was expressed through the deeds and the desires of our self-life. We lived by whatever natural cravings and thoughts our minds dictated living as rebellious children, subject to God's wrath like everyone else. But God, but God still loved us with great love. He is so rich in compassion and mercy. Let me read that again. God still loved us with such great love. He is so rich in compassion and mercy. Even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins, he united us into the very life of Christ and saved us by his wonderful grace. He raised us up with Christ, the exalted one, and we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm. For we are now co-seated as one with Christ. I love the way that that is phrased. We are co-seated <coughs> with the one, as one with Christ. By the end of this series, I want to preach a message on our spiritual authority because I think we've lost it. 
when we realize what we've been saved from and we start to experience the life of Christ, that's when we start to walk in the power and the authority of Jesus. He's co, we are co-seated with Christ. He says, but God, right? But God, dead in our sin, messy, full of self, self-harm, offense, anger, addiction, even in our churches, even in this room, been lying and chasing our way through life, following the habits of our heart. But God says, those were death. I've come to give you life. Before we knew Jesus, the life before we knew Jesus, we were going along with our old habits, living in, in certain patterns that led us to death. The Amplified Bible Okay, a little bit different version. says, you he made alive when you were dead, slain by your trespasses and sins in which at one time you walked habitually. Today, you guys, I want to break up with those habits. I don't want to walk through this life on a path that leads to death and destruction. I want to walk through this life on a path that leads to life, power, and authority in Jesus because that's what he said Jesus did for us. He said, come, sit with me. You've been adopted as a child of God. So I'm praying that, that we would realize what a big deal this is, that we would walk in the power and authority, that we wouldn't blow off this as some simple statement or some cliche thing that we, we've chalked up Christianity to be. This is the reality of Christ's death for us, the resurrection for us, the hope for us for all of eternity that God still loves us, that God loves us. He has compassion and mercy on us, and he didn't abandon us. He didn't leave us on that hill, hopeless, left for death and destruction. He came and gave his life with the hope for an eternity spent with him. He gave us a seat at the table, so what are we going to do with this privilege? What is our response to the seat at the table? And the questions that I came up with, here we go, a few of them. Are we squandering this privilege? Have we taken advantage of the privilege, of the authority, of the seat at the table? Are we wasting the miracle? Are we taking up space at the seat at the table? Are we wasting time? Are we throwing this away? And the reason why I'm, I'm asking this, I, I was thinking through my trip to, to Turkey, to Ephesus, and I remember seeing this little um, shop outside of the city. When you walk out of one of the little tourist areas, there's a marketplace, right? You can go and you can shop for different things. And I've seen this at Mexico, too, sometimes. There was a sign that says this. Where'd it go? I want you guys to see the picture. Oh, where is it? Oh, there it is. Okay. Genuine fake. Right? Genuine fake. I asked Tara, you know what that means? What's a genuine fake? I was like, oh. I actually like watches. Right? If I saw like a fake Rolex, I would probably be tempted to buy it. Because I'd be like, oh, that's cool. It's a Rolex. And I'd sport it. And I'd be like, yeah, I got a Rolex. In the back of my mind, though, I know it's not real can't afford a Rolex, okay? My question is, how often are we like this in the Spirit? How often are we fake? I mean, we're genuine about it. 
but we're fake. I've struggled with this for years, particularly in the church. I know at times I come into the building on Sunday morning, I put on the face, and I smile, I shake hands, hey, how you guys doing? You guys don't know, right now I'm exhausted. I'm tired. Yesterday we cooked a meal for 300 people. We did a catering event for a funeral. We were on our feet for over 24 hours, and I was like, by the end of the day, I just wanted to hit the bed. I was so tired, and it was hard for me to wake up in the morning. But I know, come on, I got to put on a face, hey, how's everybody doing today? Right? It's fake. I'm tired, you guys. Everybody gets tired. Or I know oftentimes we can gather together and, and we want to be joyous. We want to be happy. And, but I know that I just, I don't know, sometimes I have an argument with my wife. <laughs> I do something dumb. I think it's me. I forget to put something in the calendar. Or, I, I, you know, I, I don't know. I forget that. I forget. I'm just, you know, I forget. But you guys know. You come to church. There's so many other things going on. And it's easy to put on a face and just say, yeah, I'm good. (laughs) Yeah, I'm good. Good, everything's good. But I love it. I love it when I talk to someone and I say, hey, man, how's it going? Not so good. Oh, really? And the shock on my face kind of goes, oh, really? But I know that in that moment, they're being real with me. There's a genuine conversation that can happen. And I do believe that the enemy likes to work in this way. He likes to say everything has to be cheery and happy all the time, right? And I, I don't know if it's just Sunday mornings, but things happen prior to Sunday morning all the time that make you walk in here where, where worship almost the entire time is spent thinking about yourself, and you're repenting, and you're like, oh, uh, I did this wrong, or I need to go do this, or that sports game's on, or I want to go watch this movie, and it's all me, 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 me. But when we come in to worship together as a community, our focus should be upward. It should be on Jesus. It should be on those around us. Right? And I think the enemy works against us. And don't even get me started on the economy. Right? Oftentimes the pressures and, and the life and the finances and all the things that attack us. Some of us need a fresh reminder today that God is committed to providing everything that we need. Everything that we need will be provided. So I ask, where in my life might I be a genuine fake? Paul calls it out in the Ephesians. He says, where do you feel dead? Let's bring it to life. Where do you feel slain by your shortcomings? Let's bring it to life. The series is called Master of the Pieces. So may he be the master of the pieces of your life. Every piece, every part of it, the parts of our heart that we've protected, the ones that we're like, hey, I don't want people to see this part of me. May he be the master of that piece. The part of the pieces where we self-protect, we're like, okay, I'm going to put up walls here so that people can't come in. May he be the master of that piece. The parts that we don't want others to see in our fragmented society. May we allow God to be the master of our pieces in every area. It's time for us to make the decision that we will give him the pieces of our hearts. Every piece. That way we will say to the king that there is nothing off limits. God, you call the shots. No longer am I compartmentalizing my relationship with God and saying, yeah, you can be God over my family. 
but not God over my job. Yeah, you can be God over my children, but not God over my, my finances. Right? We can't compartmentalize. He doesn't want just the pieces of us. Like I said last week, one thing he wants from us is everything. He wants all the pieces of our life. He wants all the pieces. And I know oftentimes life comes at us. It attacks us. It causes cracks and fissures. Right? And, and I know that I've had that in my life when I've been broken. I've been broken when I get down on my knees and I start weeping to God and saying, God, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And if I'm honest, it's usually my finances because I'll, I'll weep and I'll wail and I'll say, God, I don't know how I'm going to pay for this. I don't know how I'm going to do this. And the stress weighs on me. He comes in and says, it's going to be okay. Know who the master is because the master can bail you out of any situation. Give him all the pieces of your life. Let us bring the pieces to the master that he would be the master of the pieces. I wanted to remind us of the church in Ephesus as he writes in Revelation. He says, to the angel of the church in Ephesus, and this is from the NIV, right? These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary yet i hold this against you you have forsaken the love that you had at first consider how far you have fallen repent and do the things you did at first if you do not repent i will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place but you have this in your favor you hate the practices of the nicolaitans which i also hate Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to the one who is victorious. I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Remember the heights from which you've fallen. I, I remember somebody gave me some advice one time. Who, they, they told me to think back to the time when you felt like you were most closely walking with God. When, when was it that you were drawn to him, that you sat with him, that you prayed with him, that you felt like you were intimately walking with him step by step? And for me, when I think back to it, I think back to the time when I was in college. And daily, I mean, I was a, a college kid. Right? I didn't have um, responsibilities in my life like I have right now, that's, that's not part of it, but the reason why I felt closely connected with him was because every day I could make the, the choice to say, God, what is it that you want me to do today? At one point, he said, go to China. I was like, okay, I'll go to China. Three weeks, go to China. I didn't know where I was going. Uh, my best friend was over there teaching English. He said, yeah, come on over. Just fly into Beijing. I'll meet you there. I flew into Beijing, and I landed, He's like, and I called him, hey, buddy, I'm here. He's like, oh, sorry, I couldn't make it. What do you mean you couldn't make it? He's like, actually, I need you to jump on a plane, another plane, and go to Wuhan. 
what? What do you mean? I don't speak Chinese. What do you want me? I'm in a foreign country. And it's like, okay, well, God, help me. I need to get to Wuhan. I start, I, I'm done praying, and I look up, and I see this guy. He's standing before me. He says, hey, you look like you need help. He's speaking English to me. Uh, yeah, I need to get to Wuhan. He's like, oh, come with me. He bought me a ticket, flew me to Wuhan. Okay, God, I'll take the next step. Where do you want me to go next? Oh, you know, go preach the gospel on the streets. We end up in crazy places. Hop on a bus. Go wherever the bus takes you. Go preach Jesus. Okay, God, I'll take the next step. Okay, now go to Beijing. Okay, well, all right, we'll go to Beijing. We go to Beijing. Like, we don't know where we're staying. Hey, call up some friends. Do you have a place where we can stay? Yeah, come stay with us. Oh, we, got a, we got a place to stay. We stay at this place. It turns out to be an underground church. Preach the gospel. Oh, okay, God, I'll just take the next step. I don't know what I'm doing, but he does. When we surrender every piece of our life, God takes control, and as a good master, he directs the steps. So my encouragement today is let God be the master of the pieces, every piece. Let's pray. God, as we sit in these chairs and we think about our lives, think about our finances, think about our families, our jobs, our relationships, our communities. We surrender. We surrender. The pieces that we're hiding to protect ourselves, the things that we're doing in the dark, in the closet, that the enemy is winning the battle in, we submit to you. God, you are the master, and we are your people. God, come in, take control of every part of our life. We submit to you. God, in submission, we worship you as the King of kings. As we turn our hearts to you, God, may you be glorified. In your name, amen.